Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app right now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. All right, everybody, what is going on? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thanks for locking in today, episode 390. And I'll tell you what, so I want to dive right into it today. No beating around the bush. The, the Buffalo Bills took what on the chin, and I'm putting it mildly. I'm going to be joined right now by longtime sports journalist, currently a digital reporter at WIBB-TV and a contributing columnist at the Niagara Gazette. He's been on this podcast once before, a little over three years ago. I looked it up. Jerry Sullivan. What's going on, Jerry? How you doing? Hey, Patrick. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny that, you know, one of the worst loss in three years or more, and uh, and I come on. It uh, was not planned that way, right? I was going to say that because everyone's going to be like, oh, you get Sully on after one of the worst losses of the Sean McDermott era. This was planned ahead of time. We had already talked. So if the Bills had won 41 to 15, Jerry would be on. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I said this sarcastically to a couple of friends. I said, I, I can't think of a a better way to get past this Colts game and, and look ahead than having a conversation with, you know, Buffalo sports media's biggest eternal optimist, you know, the cheerful, happy-go-lucky Jerry Sullivan. Well, that's me. <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of things I want to dive into about the game. And we're not going to, you know, not going to waste any time here. But I, I want to talk about two colleagues of yours, two guys that I know you've known for quite a while. They had some interesting takes. And I want to get your thoughts on on what they said. And then obviously, I want to get plenty of thoughts from you as well. But let's start with actually John Worrell, okay, from the AP. He had a tweet. And I know you retweeted it. And Look, I'm not the biggest John Worrell fan on earth, okay? I've admitted that many times, but I respect his work. He does a great job. He had this tweet about the Bills. I want to read it here for people who didn't hear it, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. He says this, and this was after the game. He goes, my sense with the Bills is that they continue to feel a sense of entitlement and thinking teams will bend to their will and all the hard work they put in last year has been forgotten. They get frustrated too easily, especially when things don't go their way. And it goes back to believing they're riding the ship by beating up on backup and rookie quarterbacks while being aghast when some opponent actually pushes back. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I retweet, I retweet a lot of stuff. I agree with parts of it and other parts I don't. One thing that I'm really getting a little tired of, and McDermott said it after the Jacksonville game, you know, we weren't ready to play. And this idea in John's tweet that, they're overlooking people and, you know, the sense of entitlement. There's some of that, but sometimes you're just getting beat. I think their biggest problem is physical, is that they're just not tough enough, that their lines of scrimmage are are, uh, are weaker than average. They have guys on COVID now, and we're getting a little bit of regression from the quarterbacks. These are all football problems. I mean, I've been in this business long enough uh, to know all the rationalizations and the way people react. And sometimes it's just simpler than that. Do I think they overlooked the Jaguars that day? Probably. But, you know, 
And do I think they get they get kind of, as we say, punched in the mouth and they don't react well sometimes? Yes, but it's more of a physical thing. Um, do they think they're better than they are? Probably. But you know what I'm saying is sometimes there's just an over analysis of some of the simple things in sports. Yeah, for sure. And that kind of leads to along the lines of what you said, the, the second person that I wanted to bring up something. This wasn't a tweet. This is from an article. Tyler Dunn for his go long, his sub stack. And, and this is his direct quote. He says, but a loss like this, a Mike Tyson versus Steve Urkel, two second knockout demands more fire from the head coach. This loss is completely on those at the top of the organization because it's clear that these 2021 bills operate as front runners. If the getting's good against bottom feeders, they'll win by 30. They'll dance and they'll flex all over your grave. But if you're a team capable of throwing that uppercut, these bills in 2021 retreat to the corner. That's kind of along the lines of what you're saying, Jerry, too. Um, and what about the, you know, the comment about more fire from Sean McDermott and just, you know, they, they're just not responding well to teams that are fighting back, it, it, it seems, so far. Yeah, I think Sean McDermott sometimes doesn't know whether to come hard against his players or whether to protect them. And he comes off as a little milk toast at, time, at times. I know on the COVID issue, he's biting his tongue. I mean, you know, behind the scenes, he's probably been furious all along and has had to be diplomatic about this COVID thing, which I think below the surface probably betrays less of a bond in that locker room than people want to believe about this team and the, the whole process thing and all that. But I like Tyler Dunn because he's now an outsider and you get a more critical look. Look, I was the guy for years that would ask the tough questions that would be critical and not always assume the best about this team. All you have to do is look at the previews, the predictions, and all from all the local media. I don't even have to read the news anymore. They'll all pick the Bills to win and cover, and they always assume the best about this team. I'm kind of rambling a little bit now, but an outsider sees something and feels that at the top of the organization, you know, they, they have made, made some mistakes. And I don't know if there's a sense of entitlement Within the, they don't react well to, to crisis, and maybe that's a problem a lot of teams have when it's too easy at times. But again, I think it comes back to a, a physical thing. Where they, when you start losing battles, and I saw it over the years when they really were bad, the seven and nine years, and when they were getting beat up and run on, they would kind of quit in games. And, and it's, it's less quit than worn down mentally and losing a little bit of fight. I don't think they're experienced enough over the last calendar year at playing and winning close games. Let's put it that way. And when they get in those kind of games and in difficult circumstances like yesterday, no, they don't react well. But who punches? Who's going to punch back? I think they're built too much around their quarterback offensively, and they don't have the weapons to do what Tennessee did and what the, what the, the Colts did and what, even without a great back, what the Patriots will do. Look out. Maybe not so much from a local media standpoint, but from an outside perspective do you get a sense that people around the league whether it, again whether it's media whether it's fan bases around the league maybe some other teams that they think this team might be a little bit overrated you know i go on social media a lot and again i mean a lot of these are just fans and whatever you know they have their everybody has their opinions but i'm hearing more and more and especially after sunday's game but even before that a little bit that the you know the bills are kind of a uh, an overrated team and that Josh Allen might be an overrated quarterback. Now I know people in Buffalo don't want to hear that. And I personally, I'm not sure at least the Josh Allen part that I believe that whatsoever, but do you get a sense that 
nationally speaking, that there's a lot of people out there that think this team's maybe not as good as people in Buffalo think they are? There's 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 plenty of that. There's also people that made them the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl this year, but there's there's reservations there. And I think what reservations exist out there are, are you know, legitimate based on the fact they haven't played, really played anybody. They did go and win at the Chiefs. But even, even going back to last year, you know, they – they beat a lot of bad quarterbacks. It's really hard to judge them. I've had a problem with it because at times I think the defense is the best in the league. I still think the pass defense is the best in the league. Mm-hmm. But when but when you can't stop the run, I mean, it's it's not it's almost like a basketball game or or, or like they took their pass defense out of the game. Right. I shouldn't say bad. I mean, it's like the way the way Belichick would take your best receiver out of the game. They took the Bills' pass defense out of the game. What? What did the best pass defense in football matter in that game yesterday? And it's a little scary, and I've been thinking around the league, and it happens every year lately. Is like it's a passing league. The number of passing attempts go up. Pass percentage goes up. But some then there's teams that run the ball, the Eagles yesterday, and we revert it back to what it used to be. And if you can't stop the run and win a, in a physical battle in the trenches, you're going to have problems in this sport. And that's what they're looking at now. This I mean, I'm thinking historically about this team that for 20 years, Patrick, they attempted the fewest passes in football. That's a statistical fact. They were so behind the curve in a league that was about the pass, drafting more running backs than anybody else. Then they catch up. Then they have Dable. And now suddenly you're throwing all the time and you allow your running back group to, to deteriorate a little bit. And now they're the other way. Now yeah. they can't play the way that they wanted to play under Dick Duran. And, uh, and Rex Ryan, and it's like they're having trouble finding that balance. I want to go back to, again, part of Tyler Dunn's article, and he said something about offenses that uh, really resonated with me. You know, this is a pass-happy league, throw and throw and then throw some more. But he says that's not really the case this year. He says the best offensive minds running the sport basically decided over the offseason that, hey, if you're going to draft small linebackers and you're going to play nickel, We'll break your jaw and your will with the run. And that kind of seems, to your point, what you said, that that's what teams are doing right now with the Bills. Right? You're not going to get in a shootout with the team. You're just going to out-physical them, and you're going to run the football down their throats. And that's certainly what the Colts did on Sunday. That's certainly what Tennessee did with, with Derrick Henry a handful of weeks ago as well. It's like the Bills play more nickel than anyone in the league. So if you're going to play a nickel all the time and you got, you know, athletic, really talented linebackers, but they're small, I mean, we're just going to run the ball on your throat. That's what exactly what the Colts did. Right. I'm, I'm glad to see somebody like Tyler Dunn. I obviously respect him greatly and watched him come up as a kid. The guy who covers the sport closely and knows it to say the things that I'm kind of instinctively thinking mm-hmm. as a bit of an out, an outsider now who's, you know, spending his time sometime covering bowling and stuff. But I still cover the, the, the team and I, I know the league. And I know it's a league of reaction sometimes and copycat. And there's a lot of ways to do it. And there's still teams out there that run in college all the time and get it done. And you better have an answer. I was in the in the press room yesterday, and the questions that are being asked, of course, are always kind of, you know, mincing around and not being direct, even with the COVID thing. But what people were asking, wanted to ask Hyde, and I wouldn't because I'm not there all the time anymore, was how do you feel like that you look like a soft team? That's what people are saying about them now. They're soft. Mm-hmm. And what Tyler's saying in a more technical way is, yes, that's if you're a little undersized in the league now, 
or some coaches saying, we're going to go after you if you try to play this small ball, so to speak. Um, we're going to come at you. And they, they look soft now. And they look soft mentally, too. Yeah. I think Josh Allen, for all of his courage, is a little soft mentally at times. I mean, we know what he, with the things that he does. I don't know some of the balls he threw yesterday, it's like he wasn't thinking. I'm afraid. Look, people, Bills fans have a lot to be afraid of, starting with the guy in New England. But the idea of regression was chic to, to say it, and it was chic to knock it down. Coaches in this league are pretty smart, and they might be starting to catch up with Josh Allen. That's something to really be worried about because what Frank Reich, I, I can't believe he's under fire, who I think is a coaching, young coaching genius, or he's not young, but he knows the game. He had this offense figured out. I mean, it was about his running game yesterday. Not enough being said about what they did against the Bills offense, but I haven't seen Josh Allen play that way. Even the Jacksonville game, he just he just seemed like he was uh, a rookie again. Yeah, I would say the Jacksonville game, I think the offensive line w- was so bad in that he was running for his life. It almost reminded me of the Super Bowl in a way where Mahomes was running for his life. It seemed every play against Tampa Bay. So I was like, I want to put all my blame on the offensive line for that Jacksonville game. But against the Colts on Sunday, look, the line wasn't great. And I don't think they're going to be great at any point, especially I can't believe we got to worry about a third round rookie being a, a key component to this offensive line right now. But point being is, yeah, he was under duress some, but he also made some really bad throws, even when there wasn't pressure. It was a far worse game for me, Josh Allen, against the Colts than it was against even Jacksonville when they could only score six points. Because again, I, I put a lot of that fault on the offensive line. I really can't put that much fault on the offensive line on Sunday. What do you think about the O-line play and how much it factored into Josh making a lot of mistakes, quite frankly, on Sunday? I didn't think I agree with you. It wasn't as bad a problem as it was against Jacksonville. It's it's still a problem and more so in the in the running game. They, they can't, you know, you, you can't get more than two yards on first down, you're putting yourself into difficult situations. But I, I just thought it was more that they they were figuring, they were disguising their coverages, which is what they, they said. And Josh admitted there were times he threw a couple of balls that he just hasn't done. You remember, there have been periods, a couple of months, where he hasn't thrown a bad throw or, or a pick. And he's, he's doing more of that this year. So I think teams are, are kind of finding ways to, to get in his head a little bit. And the offensive line hasn't helped. I think at times he anticipates pressure before it's there. Um, you know, the way you know, Lamar Jackson will, but he really loves to run. Uh, so, so I think it's a lot to be concerned about. And you look at the stats, which are just stats, but he's middle of the pack now. When you are when you just got a $258 million contract extension, you're not supposed to be middle of the pack in this passing stats, whatever you think of stats. And th- there's... It's starting to be a little bit troubling uh, the way he's playing. And he generally comes back, and in the next game, he has a great game, and he's done that before. But at 6-4, and four, there's a lot to be concerned about. Were you a little bit wary of this game coming in? Like, what, what were your thoughts? I, 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 I know you don't typically pr- predict uh, games week by week, right? If I remember right, like, you don't always have a, a prediction for that particular game. I generally do on Twitter, and I've been... I've been decent in picking the games this year and, and more more critical than all the other people out there. I mean, I, I picked them to lose to the Titans. I was the only one. I picked them to win big at the Chiefs. And then I picked the Jets game to be close, and I was kind of embarrassed. And, of course, on Twitter, they were crushing me. And I was a little <laughs> afraid and picked them to, to – I was afraid to be critical, which is 
how stupid that sounds for this Colts game. And I, I decided that their pass defense is so good in their home, they'll take care of business in a low-scoring game. And I picked them to win a low-scoring game. And I did not see what happened. Um, but I, I was wary, you know, if I pulled myself back objectively and looked at the Colts, you know, second in the league and taking the ball away, a running team with the best running back in the game right now, healthy, and Frank Reich and a desperate team playing well. I, there was a lot to be concerned about. But I did think that Carson Wentz w- wasn't able to come in here and do that. And I, in, in fact, before the game, I mentioned that the last team to come in and score 30 points and run for 200 yards in Buffalo was the Eagles. Yeah, I remember that Two years game. ago with, with Carson Wentz. Yeah. And the th- same damn thing happened. Which was a little bit, it was a, it was a little surprising to me. But when you step back, you know, I, and I, I was at the point where I got fooled by their depth. It's like, well, Lotul lays out, Samantha Brown is out. They've got enough depth, and that's, and that's just being exposed. You know, having a lot of defensive linemen does not make you tough. And you take that guy out, and teams are going to go right at you. I got a sense on Sunday. So I watched the game with a bunch of Bill fans, Bill's fans at, uh, where was I? I was at Imperial pizza in South Buffalo. And I just got a sense really, really early on that it was a tense crowd. Like usually if the other team scores, you know, the Colts, well, which actually hasn't happened. In fact, the bills haven't trailed at halftime this entire season before Sunday, but usually, you know, a team makes a couple of plays and it doesn't feel like a big deal. You could, I felt like, you could feel the tension even in the first few minutes of the game. I, I think fans were worried about this game to begin with, in part because the Bills have given them some reason to worry. They have not played very well, quite frankly, over the last month or so. But it just, it, it, I can't really explain it. Jerry, sometimes the team just lays a stinker and it shocks fans. I, I feel like, at least from the, the crowd, and it was a pretty large crowd that I was around for that game on Sunday, I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure they were surprised that they got beat as handily as they did. But it just felt to me like fans were very uneasy about this game going in. Like the Colts are the type of team that just matches up very well against them. A team that could be physical with a good offensive line and run the football. And you mentioned Starla Tutele. Yeah, it's, I mean, how can one guy make that big of a difference in the running game? Is it him or is it just that they haven't really played many Teams that can run the football, quite frankly. I don't know what it is at this point, but this wasn't the oh, same team. They, they rarely face teams like that anymore. That's why more teams around the league they might start to think this, maybe we should play this way. But he has been, people were reminded how important it is to have a guy like that in the middle tying up a couple of blockers and how much it helps your running game. Oh, and we haven't mentioned that Edmonds was out too. Yeah. You know, I get a little tired of hearing about what a superstar Matt Milano is, but he kind of fits the mold of, of a soft defense. He's, he's not, he doesn't pound you. Edmonds is their run stopper. So now they're missing those two guys. And it, you know, it, it's a factor. Is it all? No, they, he got run over in the past too. Um, it's also the best run blocking team in the league. Although some people think the Browns. So it was like a perfect storm in some ways. I thought the, the, the Colts though would, would be better against them running the ball last year in the playoff game. And, Taylor went 21 for 78, which at the time was his worst game in like a two months. And I, I could have seen that again, you know, yesterday. I didn't expect him to run wild, but everything everything came together. That's a really good run blocking team. And I, I do worry about this 
team as a playoff team. And that's obvious. First of all, they could be fighting for their playoff lives. They are fighting for their playoff lives and could be looking up at the playoffs if they lose Thursday. Yeah. Second, this model of how to beat the Bills is going to be there, and good teams will be there in the playoffs. Would you pick them to beat the Colts now? Um, I wouldn't. Would you pick them to beat Pat, the Pats in a game right now? I wouldn't. And Josh Allen, if you look at his four playoff games that he's played, he's not been a very good playoff quarterback. It's not like there's a lot of – he didn't come out and play – like Patrick Mahomes did at the start of his playoff career. So there are a lot of things to make you uneasy about them as this Super Bowl favorite, which they're not anymore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I'm back with Jerry Sullivan. And to your point, when you said the Bills are right now fighting for their playoff lives, I mean, that's quite literally true, Jerry. They, they're going to play in New Orleans on Thursday night. And if they come out losers in that game, when they wake up Friday morning, they're going to be a half game out of the playoffs. They're only a half game with the seventh seed in front of Pittsburgh right now. If they lose that game, they're going to be behind in the loss column. So they could wake up Friday morning out of the playoffs. Yeah, it, it's a wild conference. But they have lost to Pittsburgh and they've lost to the Titans. Uh, now they've lost to the Colts. They they better be careful. You know, and the assumption, of course, all along was, well, they're going to win the NFC East and get a home playoff game. And now it's like, I, I know you, I'm sure you watched that Patriots team Thursday night. It reminds me a lot of the Patriots of 0102 
uh, with a young Brady and, you know, Teddy Bruschi and that crew built around defense. It's the Belichick model. He's still perhaps the best coach in the history of the game. And that's a really scary team right now. Yeah, they are. And they don't have a Jonathan Taylor running the ball, but Damon Harris is good and they have a good team running game. They run the ball well. They got good tight ends. They got a quarterback who's not going to make big mistakes. Yeah, he doesn't force the ball down the field, but you know, they've won five in a row. He really doesn't need to. So in a way, they're kind of like the Colts. And in a way, they're better than the Colts, I feel like, because I think the New England defense is definitely better um, than the Colts. There's one other play I wanted to ask you about, too. We were talking about Milano and some of the problems up front. A.J. Klein had a good game against the Jets. And all week long on Twitter, all the talk I saw was Tremaine Edmonds, you know, don't extend him. Um, A.J. Klein is just as good. You're getting just as much production out of there, or close to it at least, as with Tremaine Edmonds. That was not the case on Sunday. I watched the game, Jerry. I have an 18-year-old son who's been playing football pretty much his whole life, and he's a linebacker. And when we watch the games together, I love watching the games with him. He doesn't really care about the, the games as much. He's watching the linebackers play. And I'm telling you, he was screaming at the TV multiple times. Now, I don't even know what A.J. Klein was doing, right or wrong or whatever, but he was just yelling at him play after play after play. What's your take on people who say that the Bills are probably better off just putting A.J. Klein in middle linebacker and that Tremaine Edmonds is not that much of an upgrade. What do you think about that? I, I think they're nuts. I mean, it's, it's like a poor man's Pazlazzi, and he's a backup. I think the problem with Edmonds is that they have to pay him, and he might not be worth what he would command, not how he compares with Klein. Sure. This is the issue that's that happens when your window starts to close and you have to pay people, and it, of course, starts with the quarterback. They're going to have to start making some tough calls on players on this team on who to pay and who not to pay. Um, you know, it'll start with people like Beasley going out the door. Edmonds, they have a tough call to make. I think he's a good, not great linebacker. I think he's still very young, though, and at his best, he's, you know, way above it. He's above average. Do you pay? Do you pay or don't you? And they, you have to get make tough decisions. That's why there's good guys out in the free agent market sometimes. If you pay him, in addition to the other people you're paying, um, you're going to start to be thin at other places. That's the NFL. That's why the window is wide open now, early in Allen's new contract, and it's going to start to close. How disappointed on the other side of the ball? Jerry, I mean, a big problem, we could talk about Josh Allen in the running game, and certainly there's uh, points to be made there. You've already made some. But to me, I think a team's offensive success mostly starts and ends with the offensive line. I think if you have a good offensive line, I think guys are going to look better. And if they don't, conversely, like again, just like Josh Allen running for his life in that Jacksonville game pretty much all afternoon. Are you, how disappointed are you it, well, I guess a two-part question. Number one, Cody Ford just has not worked out. And I mean, the guy, he wasn't healthy, came in healthy, at least physically healthy this year, had every opportunity in the world to become a, a quality starting guard for the Bills. It very clearly has not worked out. But also, Darrell Williams was a very good player last year. He came, he was a good story last year, played right tackle, did a good job, earned himself a nice contract extension because of guard play they eventually had to slide him back inside and spencer brown played right tackle but now you go back and i've seen now twice now daryl williams playing right tackle and i mean it's just been atrocious what what's happened to him in less than one season yeah i mean, maybe just another year he lost a little bit of motivation 
I don't know, it looked good last year. Uh, at times, I thought last year that Josh Allen, with his legs and his movement, you know, made the line look look better than it really was. Um, I, I think if, if this thing continues to go south, uh, people are going to take a harder look at Brandon Bean's drafts for all the good that he's done. A lot of it has been in the free agency. When you look at Poyer and Hyde and, and uh, who else are we talking about? Of course, Diggs. Yeah. Um, that, that he's brought in people. Morse, they, they overpaid for Morse at center, but he's probably their best lineman right yeah, now. Yeah, Cole Beasley. When you talk about drafting, who's who's the best offensive lineman they've drafted in the last 10 years? Spencer Brown. <laughs> probably how, about Wyatt, how about the guy who's the second highest paid guard in football? Yeah. Wyatt Teller. Yeah. Not, not, I don't remember who drafted Wyatt Teller. Uh, might have, I just don't remember if it was 17 or 16. But you know what? You know who I think is overrated is, is Deion Dawkins. He's being paid like an elite left tackle, and half the games this year, he's looked very ordinary to me. Yeah, I was going to ask you. That was on my list of questions. Like you, We've talked about COVID at least a little bit. Um, he did suffer from COVID earlier in the year, and he was very, very slow early on. Did it seem like he played pretty good for a game or two, but now it seems like he's back to regressing. I don't know if we can put any of that on an, an, an illness. I have no idea. But to your point, I mean, yeah, I, I feel like, Mitch Morris is probably the guy that a lot of people wanted to run out of town just because of his contract. And I think he's probably been the one player on this offensive line that's been relatively consistent the whole year. Deion Dawkins has been very up and down, and it's been a lot more down lately, quite frankly. They desperately need to hit on an offensive lineman the way the Colts did with Nelson. I mean, those guys, when you can plug them in for 10 years and they're elite, I mean, they they go a long way toward helping you be a a very good offense, and I just don't see Dawkins as that right now. Um, they, he's drafted good players, obviously, but you know, you, Josh Allen, anybody could have made that pick. Ed Oliver, there's lots of questions about Ed Oliver. He's supposed to be better than this. I mean, when you talk about the, the, the identity of this defense right now, as we talked earlier about being soft and weak at the point of attack, you drafted a defensive tackle ninth overall. What does that say? I'd hate to think that they're reflecting him in some way, but one week it's like, oh, Ed Oliver. The, the next week, you're not talking about him. He's supposed to be there every single week. Yeah. and Trey White. Trey White's a great pick. Milano's a great pick. The running back position, you know, they're reaching for those guys in later rounds, fine. Um, we'll see what happens with Epineza and Rousseau. Rousseau, who came on strong early. Um, so the, the, the jury's still out, but, I mean, Bean probably needs more to be looked at a little more critically. And I think one of the reasons he and McDermott get a pretty easy ride in this town is because things were so brutal for 17 years before them. The fact that they're competent and have brought a winner here, they're made out to be, you know, the next Vince Lombardi. I mean, the cycle in the NFL is you're supposed to have a contender cycle in and out every five, six years. And the fact that it didn't happen for 17 years was astonishing. Yeah. But what, what, what are they doing now to put them over the top? I guess what I'm saying in a rambling way is the, the standard, and this has been my theme in the Gazette all year, the standard is raised when you're supposed to be a Super Bowl team. And you should be criticized and evaluated accordingly. And now they're being looked at harshly by the Tyler Duns of the world, and they should be. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I mean, look, there's still a lot of season left, so it's a little early and premature I know Bills fans have been trained for this for the last 20 some years or whatever before these last couple to start looking ahead once it gets to be around Thanksgiving time. I mean, there's plenty of season left and they're very much in the thick of things. But I would say this one thing going into the offseason, if you do want to look ahead, 
Everyone talks about the offensive line, and you're 100% right. But I'll tell you, that defensive tackle position is pretty weak. I, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty weak. And on a Sean McDermott team, your fourth defensive tackle is almost in, as important as your second defensive tackle because they play so much, they rotate so much. That fourth defensive tackle is getting 42 43% of the snaps. And it's very weak. After Starlo Tutele, who's probably, not probably, is the best run defender. Who knows what his future is going to hold there. Ed Oliver is more of an up-the-field, you know, pass rusher. They're very weak against the run. And I watched some some film already from Sunday's game. And Harrison Phillips, and especially Vernon Butler, man, these guys are just getting tossed, tossed around. They're getting ragdolled. And that's part oh of the God. reason why yeah. the Colts ran for what? They ran for uh, 264 200, yards, man. 264, which is like... I think it's the most since that that Saints game in in seventeen. Now that was the first year of McDermott where they were, you know, obviously rebuilding the team. That was an embarrassment that day. But this is not supposed to happen to this team. Um, on your point of there being a lot of season left, I will say this: they went eighteen years in a row without ever being over five hundred after ten games. But think about that: they were never as good as six and four after ten games for eighteen years. So they're six and four now, and it's panic time. So yeah, that's how things have changed. It's it's not a it's a good problem to have relative to what what we went through when I was the columnist. But there there's good cause for reason for alarm here, and I just wish that I be, had more belief in this team that they're just like the Patriots were at times. You know, you knew they were going to turn it around in, in late November, December, and and be ready in the playoffs. This is a team that doesn't seem to be getting better in the second half of the year. They remind me of the 07 hockey team, the Sabres, where they were supposed to win the cup, and in the second half of that season, it was just like, there's something missing. And, you know, for those of you uh, Buffalo fans that remember and follow the hockey team, there are some similarities. I'd like to think they can flip the switch, but I'll tell you, there's one team that's always better in the second half of seasons and gearing up for the playoffs, and that's New England. I would say this, if, if you want to have an optimistic point of view, the Tampa Bay last year was 7-5 and five after 12 games, and they got hot, yep. ended up winning the Super Bowl. So that's a good takeaway to have, again, if you want to be an optimist. What concerns me about the Bills right now is the lack of, of physicality. I, I think the biggest problem with this team, for all the weapons, and I still think Josh Allen's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, I really do. And they got some of the best receivers in the NFL. I think they have the best back seven defense in the NFL, the best secondary, two really talented linebackers. Teron Johnson's a great nickel. The problem with this team is what we saw on Sunday. There's just certain teams that I think just, you can't teach physicality. You know, you either have it or you don't have it. And I mean, the Bills caught a break. I don't like to see anyone get hurt, but Tennessee without Derrick Henry is definitely not the same. But I'll tell you right now, there's not many teams I'd rather, if I had to play in the playoffs, there's not many teams I'd rather play less than the Indianapolis Colts because maybe not to this extent, but I'm not. So what are they going to do differently if they play them again to, to stop what just happened on Sunday? Well, you've got to make make it about Carson Wentz. You, you can't play a team like that and have him only have to throw for 110 yards. You've got to make the quarterback make a difference in a playoff game in the league the way they did last year with the Ravens. And they made it be about Lamar Jackson. He wasn't up to it. Same thing, of course, with Josh Allen. I mean, is he the difference in a playoff game? But, yeah, I don't know who I'm afraid of. That's the crazy thing about the AFC East. The Pats are probably the best team right now with a rookie quarterback. But <laughs> Yeah, look, look I, at, I'm laughing, but you're not really wrong. I'm, I'm not laughing because I think you're crazy. I 
I'm laughing because it just blows me away that five weeks ago, if I had you on the show and, and you said that I would be laughing at you for saying that, but it's not really that funny anymore. It's not. Well, Mac Jones has a higher percentage, completion percentage of yards per attempt than Josh Allen. I guess they're making some plays over there. And they won it with a, a, a managing quarterback named Brady in, in 01 and kind of in 02 before he really hit his stride. So, I mean, again, the model is there. Belichick's no dummy. He believed he could win with this kid. That's why he drafted him. He wasn't going to sit him behind Cam Newton. And he's only getting better while we're wondering if Josh Allen is going to go back to the level he was at late last year. It makes for a great story. That's really, in the end, what I love. I love a great story, and it's it's more interesting this way. I'm not a Bills fan. I'm sure they'd rather be, you know, three games ahead of New England, but this is going to be, oh, that Monday night game is going to be the greatest story in the league that week. Yeah, it is for sure. And, all right, so are, are you a fan, as a football fan, forget about the professional part, forget about, you know, being a columnist, reporter, any of that stuff. As a football fan, do you like, a season like this where there is just so much parody. Like there's a lot of very talented teams on paper, but I don't think there's one great team in the league this year. You know what I mean? Every week we're seeing Jacksonville beat Buffalo. We're seeing Kansas city lose some stinkers. We just saw Tennessee lose to Houston. We saw the Rams get destroyed by Frisco on Monday night football last week. Like there's, there's a lot of really good teams on paper, a lot of talent, but there's no great teams. There's no teams that are standing out and playing above everybody else. As a fan, do you like this level of parity, or are you one of those guys who you want to see those two or three teams dominate everybody else and everyone try I, to I, catch them? I, I love it. This so I love, you know, 41-37, Chargers, Pittsburgh. There have been a lot of very good games uh, nationally this year that I've enjoyed. The Bills season's been a dud. For, I mean, this has been bad games. The three-game run, Miami, the Jets, and Jacksonville was dreadful. Yesterday's game sucked. It's rained every home game this year. It's really been a boring Bills season, if you ask me. Uh, the Kansas City game, well, the Tennessee game on the road, they lost that, but that was a really good and interesting football game. But the last month or so, it's just been deadly boring. Let me ask you this. Now, you predicted the Buffalo Bills to go to the Super Bowl before the season. You're not a Bills fan. You just said that. So you, I know I'm going to get an objective answer from you, whereas there might be some other media people in Buffalo where they might – be covering the team without bias or at least attempting to, but I know where their heart is. Well, I know when I ask you, I'm going to get an honest answer. If your life depended on it right now and you had to get it right and you had to pick a team to come out of the AFC and go to the Super Bowl as things stand today, and again, everything, Jerry, depends on being right. You know, not no fun pick. Like, everything depends on being right. Who would you take right now to, to come out of the AFC? New England. Really? Are you kidding me? With my life on the line, I'm going with Bill Belichick. Because, I mean, as much as I, I said Brady was the best quarterback ever going back to 03, and he was the biggest factor there. But on the other hand, Belichick might be the greatest coach ever, and I, I would fear that guy. And when I see him in first place after 11 games, he's always picked it up. They always ran it out to 11 wins after that and got the home edge, and they play in Foxborough. I might be wrong. But I think the Bills got a really chore ahead of them. And the, there's a part of me still thinking of Patrick Mahomes. Because yeah. I generally say, take the better quarterback in the game. So if they played Kansas City, it'd be a heck of a game. <laughs> but I 
I gave it my answer that my instinct for my life would be Bill Belichick's team. I would, I, I wouldn't put it past him. So don't get me wrong, but you mentioned Kansas city and it annoys me to say Kansas city. Cause I, you know, I'm unlike you, I am a bills fan and I'm not going to really try to hide that. I'm objective on this podcast, but I would say Kansas city because I feel like they were down and out for a while. They were, I mean, the defense was just an absolute atrocious train wreck. Patrick Mahomes was making some ridiculous, uncharacteristic mistakes, like unbelievable turnovers. It felt like they were begging someone in the AFC to just take this conference over. Kansas City's dominated the last couple of years. This was the year where it was like, all right, somebody come take this crown from us, Buffalo or Tennessee, because both, both those teams smacked the hell out of Kansas City. But, you know, again, Tennessee's down Derrick Henry and they're losing at home to the Houston Texans. And you just talked about it. I mean, the Bills, forget just this one loss. The Bills have not played very well for a, a nice run right now, with the exception of dominating Mike White. They have not played good football lately. But so it's like no team has, has taken the, the ball and ran with it with Kansas City. And I kind of feel like the offense is starting to get back on track and the defense, all they have to do is be a little bit better. I still think I would take Kansas City. Yeah, the idea that criticism people are leveling at the Bills of being entitled and thinking it's going to be easy, I, I would put that more on the Chiefs because they have they have more reason to feel entitled. Sure. They've been to three straight conference uh, championships and two Super Bowls. This Bills team has nothing, no reason for that. I've give I've called them arrogant recently in a sense. Go win something. Go make the Super Bowl before you act like, you know, like you've been there before. And I did say it still, still comes down to physical play on the field. But, yes, there are times where they act as if they, they've done something. I think there's a little arrogance uh, among some of their veterans like Poyer and Hyde at times. Guys, sorry. You haven't been to the Super Bowl. So get humbled a little bit. One more question, and, and then I'll let you go, Jerry. Thank you for your time, as always. But Sure. I would if you're – hopeful that this season can turn around and let's be really clear. Okay. That they're not playing well. They're in trouble. They're six and four. They are not in first place currently against a team that, like you said, that usually plays their best football this time of year. It is not going to be easy. And I think even the most optimistic bills fan knows that the new England, even if you don't want to respect them, you know, you have to. Okay. So I'm not saying the bills are, are going to be fine, but I'm saying that they are six and four. If you want to look at the big picture, Teams do struggle. Again, we talked about Tampa Bay last year. They looked very ordinary for three quarters of the season, and then they really ramped it up and, and you know, went on this run. The Bills are, are at least capable, talent-wise, of doing the same. So the season is far from over. It's far from loss. They're, they could still, hell, man, the way the AFC is going this year, they could still end up the number one seed. It could happen. I'm not saying it's going to. I don't think it's going to, but it could. Oh, yeah. It certainly could happen, especially when you see Tennessee lose it at home to Houston. But realistically, and again, they're not playing well. So for that to happen, things got to change. Realistically speaking, now obviously the, the you know the easy answer is to be, get lucky and get healthy. You know, Starla Tudele back, Spencer Brown back, Tremaine Evans back. For the record, I still think they lose to the Colts with or without those guys. But they would have made. I think they would have made a difference at least for sure. Right. But what can the Bills realistically do besides again be a little healthier? That's going to give them an opportunity. To, to overtake New England, beat them on Monday Night Football and win in Foxborough, win the division and beat a team like the Colts in the playoffs or Kansas City, whether it's in Buffalo or Kansas City. Like, what can this team realistically get better at that they're not good enough at right now? 
running the ball, which, I mean, that, you say that, and then, you, again, you see six attempts, 20 yards for those two running backs. Um, Josh Allen's the running game. They've gotten Breida involved. But, you know, when we're talking about running between the tackles and assuming the physical identity, that's what they need to do. But I don't know. If, maybe if they're fully healthy, they can start doing more of that. But I think it comes down to offensively is going back to being very efficient, 70%, 75% efficient with the short stuff and getting Beasley and Diggs more involved underneath and, and really moving the ball that way and not relying so much on throws down the field. Defensively, I mean, they, they've, had some, they've had great coaching this year. They, they've just got to stop the run on early downs and make the game be about their pass defense. And when they do that, the defense looks like the best in the league. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on this team because you can talk about the formula that the Colts had yesterday, but there's few teams that can actually play that way. All right, folks, that is going to do it. Good stuff, as always, from Jerry Sullivan. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at ByJerrySullivan. Again, three years since I've had you on the podcast. I don't want to wait three more years to have you on. You're always one of my favorite people to talk to, one of my favorite people to read, because, I don't know, maybe you tell it like it is. You know, and Some people love that. Some people don't love that. I love it. And uh, I don't need a Bills fan giving me Bills news and, and Bills thoughts and Bills <laughs> takes. And I think that's, well, I personally, I mean, look, much respect to a bunch of sports media people out there, man. I, I love most of these guys and girls, but, you know, sometimes it can be a little one-sided storytelling and that's not you. Let's put it that way. I appreciate you saying that. I really meant a lot when you had me on after I left that year. It was, it was good of you. Yeah, I, uh, that was a lot of fun. And this was a lot of fun as well. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back with another episode. Joe Yurden will be with me tomorrow. Take care.